Well, my friends, today is the last day of our Unusual Character series, and we're going to talk about Demas, who is one of my absolute most favorite, favorite, favorite people in the Bible. And if you are somebody who has been with me for the last eight and a half years and clearly remembers every sermon that I've ever given, you will know that I have talked about Demas before, but I want to assure you that I wrote a whole new sermon for, for this week. So my friends, with that in mind, let us go before the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity. Once again this week, we ask that you help us do something good with it. In your name we pray. Amen. So, so you, know, you know that guy, that, that guy, he did that thing on that, on that show with that other, that other guy, that guy with the, the, the other thing in the place at that time, that guy that, on the commercial, come on, you know, you know that guy. This was a conversation that actually happened at the Lee House a couple weeks ago. I was talking about a friend of mine who is an actor in a bunch of shows and, and television commercials. I think, Abby, you might have a picture of him. There he is. He's not George Clooney. Um, because if he was George Clooney, the conversation wouldn't have been about that guy. But you've seen him over the years. He has, he's been in Pizza Hut commercials and Sears commercials, and my kids found him one time on The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, and now he's doing Applebee's commercials. So he's definitely going up the food chain there, Pizza Hut to Applebee's. But, but typically when he comes on the TV, Sung will say, oh look, there's that guy. Today's unusual character, and the last one in this series, is Demas. And when we talked about Demas years ago in the church, uh, I said to you that the thing about Demas is that he's so forgettable. And I bring him up again because he's actually very much worth remembering. See, the thing about Demas is he could be any person in this room right this very minute. Demas was a church person. In fact, he was one of the original church people. He makes these brief appearances throughout Scripture, um, kind of like my friend J.D.'s commercials, just these brief appearances in the New Testament. He's in Philemon and Colossians and then here again in 2 Timothy. But he's not a big name. He's certainly not Jesus. He's also not Peter or Paul, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And so my question is, do you ever, do you ever feel like that? I mean, here in the church? Do you ever, do you ever feel like Demas? I mean, you, you come every week and, and you say your prayers and you study your Bible, but, but we don't see your name spelled out on every other page of the church newsletter. And, and nobody ever suggests that if, if they have something they want to talk about to go see you. And when we get ready to do the all-church Christmas pageant, you could easily be sheep number seven, right? Now, Maybe, maybe though, you're also sitting in the room today and your name is on every other page of the church newsletter and everybody does call you for everything and you can't be sheep number seven in the pageant because you're directing the whole darn thing. One way or another, everybody that's in the room is part of the ecosystem that is Kirkwood. 
Now, Demas is called a co-worker with Paul, and what that means is that he's, he's part of Paul's ministry. They are working together. Their, their work is to get new churches up and running. We don't have a ton of details about what Demas actually did, so we don't know. We don't know what kind of that guy he was. It's possible that he could have been a music leader. It's possible that he could have been one of the the teachers. Um, It's also possible that he could have been that guy that, that brings the green bean casserole to every one of the church potlucks. We just don't know, but we know that we need that guy, because whatever effort he played in the part of the early church, it must have been important enough for Paul to mention Demas by name when Demas went missing. I think sometimes, even though we know this to be a truth, we don't always know what we've got until it's gone. And I learned this the hard way about a year after our oldest child was born. It was determined that I needed ankle surgery. And ankles are just one of those parts of the body that that we all just take for granted. You don't really notice until you break it or sprain it, right? So in my case, what was happening was I, I was unknowingly working against an old volleyball injury that had just deteriorated to the point where major intervention was, was now necessary. So I had this weird period of total delusion where I figured, you know what, I just had a baby. So ankle surgery, nothing, no big deal. How many of you have ever tried to walk without your ankle? (laughs) Or worse yet, tried to walk on your ankle after surgery? It It is not fun, it is not easy, it is, it is painful. There were a lot of tears involved. In Paul's second letter to Timothy, he tells the young leader that his time on this earth is running out and that Timothy has to come quickly because Demas, Demas who had been with Paul and who was doing that work together with him, who was his right hand, right ankle man, has gone out into the world and Paul needs Timothy to come quickly. In the past, when we've talked about Demas, it it usually comes with this warning. Don't be Demas. Don't be that that guy. Because the idea behind that is that that Demas wasn't committed, that he wasn't faithful, that the first chance he got, he just walked away. And I'm not really sure that that's accurate or fair. In years of parish ministry, it has been very, very rare for me to see someone just stand up one day and just walk out of the church. In fact, it usually happens very, very gradually at such a slow speed that almost no one notices until they're completely gone. Now, in today's passage, Paul shares that three people have actually left him. In addition to Demas, you also have Crescens who's gone to Galatia and Titus who has gone to Dalmatia. But Demas's departure is different from the other two. By highlighting that Demas has abandoned Paul because he was in love with the present world, we see that that this isn't a case of Demas just going to another church, right? This is that Demas has left all of the followers of Christ to go out and just be in the world. The other two, they have gone to other 
churches. So they're still connected to the body of Christ. Demas, for some reason, has had some kind of disconnect. And that makes Demas particularly worthy of examination for two reasons. On a personal level, it's a witness to each one of us about how we can remain committed followers of Christ. And then second, how the body of Christ, which is the church, is poorer when we lose one of our own. In the past, we've only looked at reason number one, that Demas just got too tempted by the world and he wasn't strong enough and he just slipped away and he went off to go have lunch with his friends because it seemed like a better alternative than coming to church. And it would be easy to write Demas off as this this wishy-washy follower of Christ who really wasn't all that committed, but I just don't think that's the case. Because after all, Demas had been working with Paul for quite some time. And working with Paul was no easy venture. Because if you know about Paul, Paul is a guy that moved around all over the place. He was constantly in motion. He was constantly doing things that, that were to bring about the glory of God and the kingdom here on earth. So to work with Paul involves some kind of level of total commitment of being willing to move your whole life around, of facing persecution, of constantly giving of yourself. And as far as we know, Demas did all of those things. And yet at some point, he returned to the world. Or to put this another way, he left the church. At at the heart of Demas's story, we have to wrestle with something that's called discipleship. Discipleship is maturing in your faith as you follow Christ through your relationship with Jesus and with fellow believers. Discipleship is not what gets you into the door of a church. It's what sustains you in a lifetime of ministry. So here's how I think it went down for Demas. At some point, somebody had to tell him about Jesus Christ. And on some level, that took root in Demas' heart, enough to convict Demas to want to go out into the world and be a part of ministry with Paul. So the more that he heard about Jesus, the more that it compelled him to be a follower of Christ. And then he meets Paul, and he quickly aligns himself with Paul's work and ministry, and he went out there. And, And I imagine that when Demas started out, He started out with a tremendous amount of energy and enthusiasm, and he was excited to serve the Lord and to serve God's people. There is nothing wrong with any of that. Until until serving God's people becomes so consuming that there is little time left for a relationship with Jesus himself. The best way that I can give you to think about this is, is to think about preachers, right? So, so my job, my professional calling is in the church. This is what I do all week long. I know that some of you think I only work on Sundays, but, but in reality, this is, this is what I do. So you could say on some level that my job is to study the Bible so that on Sunday morning I have something to talk with you about. And that's, that's true. But there is a difference between studying the Bible so that we can talk about it on Sunday mornings and studying the Bible to fill my soul and to be equipped for the work of ministry all week long. 
Those two are very different types of studying the Bible. And the confession is, is that most pastors are terrible about making a distinction between those two things. It's even harder than for lay people. Mission alone, mission alone cannot sustain followers for the long term. Now hear me clearly on this, because we're a mission church, and we are a church that loves our mission, and I do not want you to think that Pastor Hope said mission's a bad thing, and we're not going to do that anymore. Mission is a great thing. Operation Christmas Child, the collection cards, the mission trips, serving at our daily bread, going out to Dream Oaks, all of these things that we do, these are all really good things. But none of them, none of them, no matter how much we love them, are going to sustain our personal journeys of faith for a lifetime. Because you don't need Jesus to serve others. I know that's a hard thing to hear, but you don't. You don't need Jesus to serve others. There's lots of atheists who do good humanitarian things every single day. So you don't have to be a part of the body of Christ to do good things. So if your connection to the church is rooted only in mission, that might sustain you for a season, You might be good to go for quite a few years, but if you don't have a path of discipleship that grows your relationship to Christ and with fellow believers, there's going to come a point when you might very well return to the world because you won't be able to see a difference between serving through the church in witness to God's grace and goodness in your life and then finding your own service opportunity outside of the church. And especially when it comes to mission, it can be so easily deceptive to fall right into the world without even realizing it while your body's still sitting in a pew here at the church. If the only difference, if the only difference between a church group going out to serve at Dream Oaks and a corporate business doing the same thing is that the church says a little prayer before they head out the door then that that might work for a couple years. But eventually, without relationship, without accountability, without studying the word, you, you just essentially end up with two identical groups who are doing good things just to do good things. Disciples do good things with purpose, to bring glory to God, to share the good news, to demonstrate God's grace, to be the hands and feet of Christ in the world. But if you lose sight of those things through a lack of discipleship, you might as well just go and join the local Rotary Club. There is a difference. It is possible. It is possible that Demas left left for the ways of the world because he was so busy serving the world that he no longer had time to discover the ways of God. I I think about that often when we talk about children's ministry. Children's ministry is one of the busiest ministries on the planet because children are the busiest people on the planet. And the adults that do best in children's ministry are not necessarily the adults that love children the most. I know that seems counterintuitive, right? But just because you love kids doesn't mean that children's ministry is going to be the right place for you 
Lots of people love children and cannot and should not be leading children's ministry. The most effective children's ministry leaders are people who love God first and who are committed to their own personal walk with God. And here's how I know this. I don't care how much you love kids. Every single adult that I have ever met on this side of glory has a limit to their patience. Every single one. And if any of you says, no, I've never run out of patience, you lie. We'll talk about that sin a different time, (laughs) right? So it doesn't matter how much you love kids because at some point, your patience will be stretched so thin that you will run to the world with reckless abandon as fast as you humanly possibly can go. But if you're a disciple and you're connected to the heart of Jesus Christ and you can see children the way that God sees them, the way that the Bible reveals the heart of God for them, then you can walk through that endless valley of crayons and slime and attention deficit disorder better than the most effective teacher on the planet. And here's a little secret. This is absolutely true for any and every ministry in the church. If you are not a disciple first, you will burn out, you will give out, and you will ultimately give up. Enthusiasm might start you out in ministry, but discipleship, that maturity of faith, that's what sustains you and keeps you going for the long haul. So what that means is that the church's first priority needs to be discipleship. Absolutely has to be. And Jesus told us that. Jesus told us that in the Great Commission. We didn't listen But that's what he told us. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And how do we do that? How do we do that? Jesus says, you teach them all that I have commanded you. So you know all that Sermon on the Mount stuff that we just spent six months doing? That was Jesus teaching us so that we could teach others. And that's what we're supposed to be teaching them. Disciples are students. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, then above all else, you have to be a student. And students of Jesus Christ study his word, and they do it with other students. I often wonder if Demas returned to the world because he was doing so much in Jesus's name that he no longer had, to be, had time to be transformed by Jesus's teaching. And in the end, he was so disconnected from the heart of Christ that he just couldn't see a difference between what he was doing in the church and what was going on out in the world, and so he just slipped away. When you get right down to it, Demas' story is actually a sad one all the way around. It's sad for Demas, and it's sad for the church because the church is poorer when we fail to make disciples. Without placing a priority on teaching and connecting believers to to the word, to the love, the grace, and the relationship of God and Jesus Christ, we simply just become another outlet for people to do something with their spare time. And with spare time at a premium, for those who are not true disciples, church is just 
an option, not a driving passion. And what Demas teaches us is, is that once a relationship becomes just, just an option, well, then it's very easy to walk away. Would you pray with me? God, we, we pray for the Demases of the world, the ones who gave and gave and gave and gave and didn't stop long enough to be refilled and to be fed and to grow and to be challenged by your word. We pray for those of us in this congregation who sometimes head down that path. And we pray for those of us in the congregation who really are considering, is this just an option? Or is this something that I'm committed to? Not, not church, not, not Sunday morning worship, but, but a life, a life committed to Jesus Christ. Help us to be a church that always makes disciples. In your name we pray, amen.